Welcome everyone to another episode of Elemental Awakening. Today I got a very special guest here in, or actually in Compton right now. From, uh, <laughs> Compton. Usually in Venice Beach is where you call home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, California. Troy Casey, otherwise known as a certified health nut. Mm-hmm. Um, super interesting guy. Popped on my feed one day. I was really intrigued and I found out he was going to arrhythmia. Found a, a synchronicity and I thought I should reach out. And here we are. Welcome. Yes. All roads lead to ayahuasca. <laughs> it seems like that sometimes. You get tapped in and... Uh, the connections become uh, undeniable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I guess today just basically I want uh, you guys to get to know a little bit about Troy. I think what he's doing is amazing. Um, he's an advocate for um, health and wellness. Um, some people might call it biohacking. He's just pushing the human limits, this is from my perspective. And he's also a leader in the men's, conscious men's movement. He's got a man tribe uh, group or mm-hmm. group, would you call it? Um, he's also written a book and he's also just came from Rhythmia. So we're going to talk about all these things. But I guess first, Troy, tell us a bit about who you are and um, how you got to doing what you're doing today. Yeah, so um, the story goes, uh, I, was, I was a Versace model sitting in Milan and, and uh, I had my own digestive issues and, uh, and I couldn't solve it. I was like, you know, what the hell's wrong with me? And then I would bloat and my agents would be like, honey, you're fat, you know. And, and it's a big investment to go to Europe and, you know, really propel your career forward. So I was like, let me get a handle on this. So I went down to the American bookstore, bought some books on nutrition, started reading them. And lo and behold, fruits and vegetables are real food, you know. And uh, and then the farmer's markets were there in Italy. So I started buying, you know, more fruits and vegetables, started eating whole foods. Uh, and my life changed immediately. Started reading more literature on herbs and fasting, internal purification, Um Went, came back to America, bought a juicer, started juicing, did my first 10-day juice How cleanse. How this time? Like, like, it was about some reference here. 24. 24, okay. 24. I'm, I'm almost 54. Oh, shit. So, so this is about 30 years ago. And um, so I did my first 10-day juice cleanse, juice fast. And, uh, you know, as a model, I was making money in front of the, the, the camera for, for my looks and, and my genetics, the way I looked. And so I did my first 10-day juice fast, and I looked in the mirror, and I was like, Wow. You know, you look like a spring chicken, you know, everything looks good. Your skin looks good. Your eyes look good. So I was hooked. That was 30 years ago. So through that 30 years, um, I had a very successful phase uh, modeling and and I got really into partying and and doing a lot of drugs and alcohol. And then I moved to L.A. and to start an acting career. And I knew I couldn't do that as a party animal. So I had to sober up. Took me quite a few years to sober up. And I found Vipassana meditation with S.N. Goenka. And uh, I sat, you know, my first course, and that was a miracle, and so much stuff came off of me. And sure, if you can share like some one of the experiences in there that really was uh, impactful. Yeah, I mean, you do you go through so much arduous physical pain. Like it felt like my 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 femur was ready to dislodge from my hip. So for know? those of you who don't know Vipassana, it's a ten day silent retreat meditation. Yes, right? um, 10, 12 hours is sitting a day. A day, okay, yeah. So, you know, just that physical feeling of this emotional trauma or whatever was stored inside of my, my vessel, on like day eight or nine, it was like, boop, my whole shoulder would free up. And I'd be like, what was that? My leg that felt like it was going to fall off, boom, that freed up. And, just, and when I came out, I was so happy and I was so light. I felt like truckloads of stuff, you know, came off of me. So... I meditated a couple hours a day for, for about six did years. Did you do any meditation before that, before the Vipassana, or was it you just went like cold turkey into like the most intense meditation you can do? Was it like 
What, what led you to be passionate? Was it was it trying to get sober and, and clear for your career? Trying to get sober, hearing that meditation works, trying other things like AA, and that really didn't work for me. Um, and but I always remembered step eleven, which is thought sought through prayer and meditation. You know, I found whatever the, the step eleven is. Uh, but I noticed the guys that talked about step eleven. They had a je ne sais quoi. They had a certain energy about them, and so. Um, when I finally threw in the towel and said, that's it, I'm going to get this piece clear, I started meditating and I didn't know what I was doing. I would just sit down, maybe I'd do OM for an hour or something like that. I really wanted to get this piece down and I started sharing, you know, hey, I'm meditating now. And some guy was like, hey, I sat this meditation retreat. And I was like, I heard about these. You got any information on it? This is before the internet. So he got the information for me. I read the literature. I was crying. And so I filled out the application. Within two weeks, I sat my first course. So that was January when I kind of made the New Year's resolution, never again. And then I sat my first Vipassana course in April. So about mm-hmm. four months of my own experimentation on meditation. And then, of course, you get a very comprehensive um, uh, tutelage uh, doing 10 days. <laughs> I've been trying to get in. In, in Toronto, they have um, a center just not far from where I live, but it's just super hard to get into. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've applied three times this year, and so far I've been on the waiting list every time. So my friends like to show up. They won't turn people away. Well, that's the thing. I, I learned that years ago, that even if the, the waiting list is, is extensive, because uh, I'd go there on Christmas when everybody has time off and everybody can. So the most packed time of the year, and every single time people that just showed up got in. Got in. So, yeah, if you're on the wait list, just show up. Because what happens is... If it's not right for you, you'll get a flat tire, your car will break down, and you won't end up there. Right? If your mindset's not in the right place, because it's very arduous yeah, to go through, yeah. physically I, and I mentally. I was trying to believe in that. It's funny. I got a flat tire the other day on my way to the airport to come here. And um, I'm like, all right, if I'm not supposed to be there, I'm not supposed to be there. Got out, flipped it, tire, changed it, no problem. Got on the plane. Ended up working perfectly because I got in the plane perfectly on time and uh, it just worked out. But lesson in surrender. But it's yeah, it's just surrender. It's like deal with the problem. If I'm not supposed to be there, then maybe I missed a plane crash, or maybe I missed a crash when I got there, or maybe something worse could right. happen. Right, right. Open to all possibilities. Okay, so then what happens next for uh, for for Troy? So you're still modeling at this time. You're you do the meditation, having some big shifts. Had some big shifts. Uh, I I had pretty much stop modeling professionally traveling etc at that time and I was spending more time in uh, I was acting in LA and so over the over the course of 1999 to 2005 I sat 11 Vipassana courses okay. um, and that really helped change my life and now this whole research on neuroplasticity is showing up and you know meditation is just you know it's rewiring your brain and you know, I, I grew up, I was on my own since I was uh, 14. My dad grew up in orphanages, and that type of trauma transfers. And so mm-hmm. there was plenty of, you know, ass whoopings and, you know, shit that I had to deal with that stored in my tissues and my consciousness that I was able to process uh, through that. Concurrently, uh, at about the same time, 1999, I started studying with Maori healers from New Zealand, these uh, very powerful body workers and they go in the nerve centers of the body they're 300 pound people but they'll they'll step on you they'll step on your skull they're going your stomach so it's like a pressure point system or it's like an energetic both myofascial release energetic Rolf, 10 sessions of rolfing in one session like really shamanic powerful okay. stuff 
Sounds interesting. And so, and I witnessed many, you know, miracles and exorcisms up there. And so I've been hooked and I've been helping and helping them and working with them for the last 22 years, studying with them. Whenever they're in Los Angeles, I either help promote or I'll park cars or I'll do whatever just to really be around that energy. And, and I've seen so many, I've witnessed so many uh, miracles and, and exorcisms. Give and me so, an example of a miracle that you saw. I know people are question like, miracles when walk on water. It's, it's, it's a term that um, I understand because I've seen them myself. But give me an example of what, what you'd consider like a miracle in one of those situations. Yeah, so that's a great question. And uh, please, you know test me on my stuff all the time because I do speak in hyperbole sometimes. So, yes, uh, Miracle. So, uh, you got Paul uh, Farah and Melissa Oliver. They're the real estate moguls up in uh, up in Topanga Canyon and they wanted to have kids and they couldn't have kids. They spent eight years on drugs and fertility doctors and uh, you know, to no avail and they started working with the Maoris. I mean, they got two kids now uh, they've been hosting the Maoris for most of the years I worked with them. But they've got two kids. The kids are like 18 now. But they spent eight years and hundreds of thousands of dollars trying to get pregnant. And I've heard many of those stories. I've heard many of those stories. I've seen, you know, cancer patients, AIDS patients. You know, not everybody gets the exact healing that they want. But when you see someone going through something so traumatic and so awesome as like an exorcism like something's living inside of this human being and they're choking it out of them literally and then from them to go screaming like a banshee and then an hour later you see this complete zenned out person like maybe years of like stress and grief just off of them and that childlike uh, uh, element is inside of them and they're so sweet and they came in there so angry and you know I just saw that countless times and so that's what kept bringing me back not only that but for my own healing my own you know peeling the, the layers of onions of my own you know healing and so um, I've witnessed that many times and uh, many miracles to the point where someone as astute yoga practitioner as, as Gurmak who owns Golden Bridge Kundalini you know she's been around for for, for decades, you know, she was bringing all her Kundalini people up there for birthing and fertility uh, treatments, uh-huh. and as well as just healing treatments in general. So, uh, and witnessing, you know, all that level of healing from one healing community into another. Right, and I think that's the way it should be. It yeah. should be like sharing, collaborating, working together with the energies. You know, just being open to what what works and, and learning from each other. Right. Right, and the perfect example is, you know. And not get caught up in like, oh, I practice yoga. I- I've arrived. Right? Yeah. I'm enlightened. I've done my work. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's all, it's ever evolving. And iron sharpens iron. So we can go from one healing community to the next. You know, not confusing ourselves, but seeing what holistic and sustainable you know practices that may be able to be implemented or tried for myself, mm-hmm. and see what happens. Right? You test yeah. it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, so did that, how did that transition to where you're at now? So then uh, in 2005, I was introduced. Uh, I, I'd been working with herbs for so many years and fasting and, and just reading the literature. And somebody turned me on to an herbal company from the Amazon. And I put these herbs into my body. And I was like, boom. It was like another awakening. So I figure I got about, I got about good four awakenings. I got, 
I got Vipassana meditation. I have uh, Maori healers, and then I have the Amazon pl- Amazonia plants. And, and, and put put awakening in your own words. What would you say an awakening? Like for me, it's just uh, a new awareness and expanded consciousness. You wake up and you see the world in a different way that you previously couldn't see. Yes, you know, and that could be um, feeling love in your heart for yourself for the first time. That yes. could be. Um, just looking at your life from a whole different perspective or feeling unity with everyone. Yes. Uh, is there any way you would, you would put it in your own words, like these awakenings? I mean, do they differ each time? I guess they must, you know, because you get to a different level of awakening, which I think is infinite, but it's just more infinite. expansion, right? Yeah, so, I mean, let, let's just use the first example. We're trained, basically, domesticated automatons, right? So you go to high school and sit down and shut up and you'll get a good job or good grades and then you can get into a good school which will get you a good job and all this stuff. So so I, I graduated from high school and then I'm like, okay, what do I do? All right, let's go into science and math because that makes more money, mm-hmm. right? Not that I love it, but let me go in that direction. So then I started studying that and there was a lot more math than I had prepared for in high school. So I was on the, the, the fast track to going nowhere. I was basically three and a half years in community college. So I'm still chasing that money. This is what I need to do to make the money. And then I got into modeling. Oh, modeling is going to be money or easy money or money, period. And, mm-hmm. you know, let me go chase that for a while. And then I started to wake up that, you know, I'm not just a money-making machine. There's something else. There's my spiritual life. So that was the first awakening. Uh, and I think a lot of my drinking and partying really just came down to self-medicating myself mm-hmm. or working in an industry that was soulless right and I didn't know why but I was chasing the money and then I was just like I hate this industry this industry's like stupid there's so many misfits in it and I'm a misfit too and I'm like but this is just cuckoo you know and uh and so uh so I I I woke up to that I wanted to live my life at different different level I I started uh I, I started meditating I mean I read uh Frederick Pearl's uh, Gestalt Therapy Verbatim, which was recorded at Esalen, which I highly recommend. It's out of print right now, but it really just comes down to, you know, most people are just bullshitting themselves. He used to call it elephant shit. And so, uh, and so I'm just like, on what level am I just bullshitting myself? And I was just like, I hate this industry that I'm in. Um, and I think so many people feel that in their lives. They're mm-hmm. just going through the motions. They have this feeling of like, what am I doing? I don't know what I'm doing, but I know that I don't like what I'm doing. Right. You know, but I don't know what else to do. Right. So it's like just keep that train going another day, another day. I have friends that have been telling me for 10 years they want to quit their job and do something that yep. they love. Yep. And every day, every time I see them, did you quit your job yet? It's like, no, no, but soon. Yep. No, no, but soon. Someday. Yeah. It's like that someday syndrome. I, I that, that energy destroyed my marriage mm-hmm. or it was a key factor in destroying our marriage out of fear and motivation via fear, fear of not having enough, uh, and then hating the actual work that my wife was doing. And it carries over into all areas of your life. When you hate, when you feel that, that energy of, of stagnancy, of hate, of block, of, of just frustration, it doesn't just stay in your job. It's, it's in you now, and it, it comes... It lives in you. Yeah, it lives in you. And it goes, all relationships, everywhere. Calcifies your tissues. Yeah, like literally... <laughs> Literally. Literally. Um, so yeah, so we we're getting to your third awakening was that was the um, sort of so you were saying your, that was your definition of awakening was just opening up and seeing the world, seeing yourself that you didn't want to, 
and it can be simple because some people I think that's important is that I guess that first realization was you, you could no longer do what you wanted to do. Am I, am I right? Am I, am I paraphrasing? Is that what I, was, what I was getting out of what you were saying? Without the pain or the awareness of the pain. I was, I was always dealing with the pain, but I would just drink it mm-hmm. away. I'd be like, oh, well, partying's hand in hand with the industry. So I don't like the industry. I don't know how to vocalize that. Let me just go out and get wasted. Yeah, so, exactly. So what I'm trying to say to if you're listening is that an awakening doesn't mean you become a, a, a llama on a mountain. It can be as simple as something that's in your awareness that shifts your life, that realization that, oh, okay, I can actually choose not to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. I can choose now to try a vipassana and, and or follow your intuition because something, some intuitive fire came and led you down this path, right? Yeah. Yeah. The awakening of doing something different than just drinking all than the just time. Just drinking all the time. Simple. How about that? And, it seems and, simple, but it's, it's not as simple as it sounds. But it's and with addiction, you know, it's been said many times. It's never about not doing the one thing. It's actually replacing your energy with something else. Now I'm meditating two hours a day. What's my results from getting off of that pillow? My nervous system feels completely relaxed. I'm in a much more balanced place. I feel energized. I feel healthy. I feel clear. And so, who needs drugs when you have that, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. So, um, so we're at the, we're at the um, you, you took the herbs, the Amazon herbs. So in 2005, somebody introduced me to a herbal company from the Amazon, and I started putting those herbs into my body. And I was already taking Dr. Schultz herbs, and I knew what high-quality herbs were. I knew what strong herbs were. And uh, these things were something completely different. And I was like, holy smokes. And... Uh, I like to put things into my body consistently, and I also like to megadose to see and feel where my threshold is. So I was putting a lot of these plants into my body, and they woke me up like energetically to a whole different level. And um, and then I started watching the company literature, and uh, and I heard about this ayahuasca stuff, and then I was extremely successful in sharing this plant medicine with people. The, the the herbs, unyanagato, dragon's blood, paw de arco, you know, antifungal herbs, herbs that clean the blood, herbs that give you a big boner, suma, <laughs> muipuama, maca. This is my first introdu- introduction to maca. Uh, and so all these South American plants that really just like got me really amped. And not with caffeine style either, mm-hmm. just really clean energy. And so I was instantly successful because I just told all my friends, you have to take this. This stuff's amazing. And so I was extremely successful. I won a trip uh, to the Amazon the next year. Went down there in 2006. Went to Machu Picchu. Went and met our uh, indigenous partners. We were working with the Shipipo out of uh, Pucallpa in Peru. Our facility was in Peru. Um, And um, I asked the owner of the company about drinking ayahuasca. And we were introduced to it just a little bit. Um, But to do a full ceremony, he sent me to his friend's place. And... uh, so I, I ended up going there and uh, staying there for two weeks and doing 10 ceremonies. Oh, wow. That's the way to do it. <laughs> and then flying back to Pucallpa and finding the shaman that the company worked with as well. She had this amazing songbird voice, and I wanted to hear it in ceremony. And, of course, it was totally worth it. And my, my YouTube channel, all the way back to 2006, 2007, 2008, has plenty of videos and ikaros of her singing to me in ceremony and in the Amazon. So really beautiful videos and songs. And the frequency and vibration of the plants, the frequency and vibration of um, the oxygen and the energy in the Amazon, and then really the ayahuasca just 
completely just takes down all the veils. Really, I think I think the main thing about ayahuasca for me was it really opened up the heart. Mm. And when you can just sit in the middle of the Amazon and feel the whole world and earth, and at the time Bush was in power and we were bombing the shit out of Iraq, and there was only one plane that flew over from Brazil like once every two weeks, and I was like, wow, that sounds like 40,000 feet up there. And I was like, what if they started fucking dropping bombs? I was just like, like what are we doing on this planet? What is all this like military weaponry? And I was just like, fuck, man. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. It's a wake-up call. Even wonder. I was just like, no way, no, no, no. Come on, guys. <laughs> like, yeah, we got to do something different here. So I came out of the jungle completely, like, tapped in, like, fully awakened. Like, oh, no, no, no. We can do things in a much better way. Love is the answer. Love and gratitude, that's where it's at. And, uh, you know, poor George Bush Jr., you know, I was like, I was thinking, oh my God, everybody hates that guy. Oh, what a bad, bad, bad feeling. I was like, oh, he actually needs love. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's really hard to give some of our political leaders, you know, that do stuff like Benghazi and, and, and Libya and Syria, these big crimes against humanity, it's really hard to find that level of forgiveness in them. But ultimately, that's where we're moving. That's the way. That's the only way. It's, I mean, it's, it's, no one's free until we're all free. Mm-hmm. And we're all in the debt slave system. So, you know, we're all in the matrix to one degree or another. So, and no one's free until we're all free. So, yeah, you're here. So you do ayahuasca and um, I do ayahuasca ten times. Ten times. <laughs> then you went to go see the other show and did a few more with the lady. Uh, ten times total that first time in oh, okay. in, in the Amazon, two thousand six. And so you have this new um, appreciation for love, and compassion, and forgiveness. And what did you do with that? Did you just come back and did you change anything again? Or well, not only that, but I had you know I moved to LA to start an acting career and when I moved to LA you had to beg a USC student to put you in their student film just to get a piece of footage to show a producer or director a couple of years later we got all these digital devices actually this wasn't even out at that time but we had I had digital footage and so I came out of the jungle with these visions and I had three very powerful visions and uh, one of it was an amalgamation of my on-camera career natural medicine studies and I was doing stand-up at the time so a certified health nut was born that's been unfolding ever since the spirit of my daughter came to me I was not married I was not in a relationship and since then I've created a family and it brought my daughter back down and it's very very clear and evident all those those visions I'm more uh, uh, visions come in the forms of knowings with mm-hmm. me not so much visual visions but really just knowings clarity and then the final one was that humanity makes it from the precipice of ecological disaster that we find ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so you know, and those visions have been unfolding uh, ever since. So I had these visions, and then I come out of the jungle, and YouTube was a brand new reality. I knew nothing about it. And I was like, I could take my video and put it on so, so the world could see it. I was like, wow, that? All right, let me see what happens. And then I just started doing more of that and then I went back to the Amazon filmed that and then I I had a platform to distribute it Um, and so that's how my social media career started so I I like to in Hollywood you know now when I go to business meetings TV meetings etc you know people introduce me sometimes they introduce me as an actor a comedian 
And I said, ultimately, you know, I was an actor, but now I just took it to the small screen and I'm crushing the small screen. And uh, big time producers, they get it because they denied it for years, mm -hmm. but the digital technology is just taking over. That's the way the future is slowly just gonna keep, That's keep, it. keep taking over. We're moving to the age of authenticity. So what are you doing with that now? Because I, I know what you're doing with that now. I see some of the things that you do. Do you want to talk a bit more about what you do now? What, what's, what's your day-to-day? -day? You're sharing a lot of information. I see you doing some uh, men's work, men's groups. Mm -hmm. Tell us a bit about what you're doing. So uh, I help men get really clear on their purpose, their dream, and their legacy. And so if that's true, then you know how clear am I on it? So my working purpose, dream, and legacy, or my working, you know, I am statements is, I am a humble, kind, and gentle man, and uh, please pick me up if I fall. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, my mission is to raise human consciousness and change all systems. My vision is clean air, water, soil, and equitable systems for all of mankind in my lifetime. I love it. Yes, who wouldn't? I love it, yeah, it's clear, and it's, it's, um, I think the last one's a bit of a stretch mm -hmm. in yep. your lifetime. Yeah, you know, you got to stretch. Yeah, we got to go for it, right? Using the laws of biomimicry and bioremediation, we can and intelligence and in, in, ingenuity. And I tell everyone this that are that are um, pessimists that they say we're on a runaway train. It's, it's never going to catch up. But I said technology is evolving faster than anything. It's exponential. Mm -hmm. So as soon as we just put technology towards the right problems mm -hmm. and the right minds towards the right problems we can solve anything right. we can solve like, the money we spend on war like wait, this is like a, a, a very cliche statement but if you just took that money and spent it on anything else that would have a positive you change the world in a day totally in a day we can reverse basically the world's been, been infected with a brain virus via, via PR public relations and media right pay per play news media television advertisements this is all programming human beings against their innate intelligence, mm -hmm. poisoning themselves, slathering on makeup that's not good for them, clothing, industrial waste, and justifying it with research bias or, you know, scientism. You know, basically you can prove anything through skewing data. And so that's the world that we live in right now. It's all scientifically validated, right? And, and no one wants to fund studies that are not profitable. I think that's that's the biggest thing. Like working with Wim Hof in the early days, you know, he's been lucky. He's been able to get some some funding for some of the studies. But um, the big thing was like, who wants to pay for breathing and 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 cold and things that really work very well. But who's going to fund those studies to prove it? Mm -hmm. And it's like we don't have to fucking prove nothing. This is how we prove it. That's right. This is how we prove it. You know. And, and that's my methodology completely. And I'm here to rub that shit in everybody's face. Yeah. So, I so you, you got inspired to write a book, got asked to write a book. How'd the book come to be? Was it something that you've been thinking about for a while? So hashtag ripped at 50, a journey to self-love was designed um, because I was turning 50. And, uh, and certified health nut, you know, I put my comedy moniker in there. You know, I'm a nut, right? And it's the old, you know... It, it's uh, the health nut from the 60s. I just certified them, right? So what's my certification? Well, I believe that this is the temple of God. This is the body temple or my own personal scientific laboratory. And so if I'm healthy, then I'm going to have some degree of healthy to what the norm is. Luckily, I'm nowhere near no the norm, but the norm is 70% obesity. 
And so when I take off my clothes and I get naked in front of the in front of the mirror, both literally and figuratively, who am I? I'm happy being me. I look, you know, good. I, I am strong. I am clear. Um, and so uh, this is the testament. This is my scientific proof of foundation principles, fundamental principles, hydration, sleep, movement, thoughts, you know, breathing, relationships, nature, you know, all this stuff. When you apply these fundamental principles, this is the result. So can you break those down a bit more for us? Like what, what's a week look like in your life? You, are you working out seven hours a day? Are you fasting a lot? I know you do. I read some of your posts when I catch them. Um, a lot of fasting, not too much working out, but you do hit the gym. You tell me, what, what's, what's, what's your model, like your weekly? The body's designed to move. Mm -hmm. So my body moves. I'll hit the gym and the weights maybe 20 to 30 minutes a few times a week. That's a good, that's a good week, you know. Uh, if I have the time and energy and the good recovery, um, then maybe five times a week. But again, the weightlifting is, is short. I'm getting that pump in there and getting out, mm -hmm. right? Uh, but I'm also riding my bike around Santa Monica and Venice. You're um, always moving. I'm moving. I like to walking is my favorite exercise. So I do like to walk. I don't do as much walking anymore because bike gets me around fast. You're taking the birds around, right? I don't take those around. I'm a <laughs> bike rider, so those fuckers, I want to run them over. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, you know, I'm, I'm moving constantly. I love the qigong. I like to stay mobile. I see how important it is. The older I get, my kinks in my neck, you know, my brachial plexus. I need to keep everything moving and, and mobilizing. So I've developed my own qigong style just for just for uh, uh, mobilizing my own tissues. Uh, so I'm moving seven days a week, guaranteed. Uh, sometimes I'll just lay in bed because I move so much, and I'm doing my business and and. You know, 10 15 videos a day so uh, just laying around and resting because uh, sleep and quiet time is so important for mm -hmm. restoration because it's balance right yeah. it's yin yang masculine feminine always so you're always balancing out and how many so, hours do you go for a night for sleep I'm, an, I'm a nine hour guy you know nine hours in bed or you try to get nine hours like sleeping sleeping um, I, I end up getting about seven and a half eight okay but I know my body does really good on nine, right. and so at least a couple of t t couple times per week I, I get think the nine. average is under six in America. Yeah, and there's been a ton of research, it's right? Just how bad that is for you? Like, like eight's the eight's the best average for everyone. Mm -hmm. There's been a lot of research on that, and our hormones are harmonized with the celestial realm. So the cortisol comes up when the sun comes up, and the uh, melatonin uh, rises when the moon rises. And we have this conversation with Nick here who's behind the camera but wearing sunglasses. If you wear sunglasses too much, you're sending a wrong signal. Like the the, the natural signal is like, oh, it's not sunny anymore. What's yeah. going on? Confusion. Right. I'm confused. Right? That's right. And there's, there's a hormone that gets released that protects you against the sun. If it's triggered by the 1500 elements of the light spectrum that come into your eyes, if you have UV and UVB and uh, blockers on there, you're going to be tricked into like or confused. And so, and lo and behold, what do we have in the world? And why were sunglasses invented? Because the Hollywood stars back in the day, those big, huge lights that they used to have, they were so blinding and artificial and they would dry your skin out. The, the, they would wear those, those glass 
you know, pieces over their eyes, and then they would do interviews or be out in public, and then people Everyone. thought it was glamorous, and then, hmm. and so I, I chucked, when I got all this technology and information about uh, 20 years ago, I chucked, I wore designer sunglasses since I was 15, and I just threw them away. Hmm. So it was like two weeks to acclimate, but. Yeah, I just got recently some uh, blue blockers. Mm-hmm. Do you believe in those kind of like a. I like blue blockers. I'm sure you're on your phone a lot, just doing work. My eyes need some work right now. I need to get down with my eye exercises. I need to I need to implement new disciplines around my eyes because I had uh, Hawkeye, eagle eye um, uh, vision my whole life. And about 45, and when the phones came out, it started to dip. And so uh, so I need to do my eye exercises. And uh, somebody turned me on to these, these Tesla glasses. Uh, one of my friends, Dr. Harhari Kulsa, which actually has a toroidal and it actually feeds your, your, your eyes energy and it will heal. And they felt amazing because normally I don't like anything on my eyes. I never heard of Tesla glasses. Yeah. Not made by Tesla, the car maker. They're like Tesla design, like in, in inspired Tesla technology. Tesla might even be like part of the name or something. Okay. Yeah. So, but I'll get you that information cool. yeah, later. I'll, I'll link it into the, the video as well. Yeah. They're like 300 bucks and I could feel them. They were, they were good on my eyes. Cool. And then, so what about like fasting and eating? Like, do you do? You, do you... So I, I like to say this: you're going to get more mileage on fine-tuning your nutrition, your sleep, and your stress management. There's at least seven factors of stress, and most of them are invisible, including chemical stress and electromagnetic radiation. So you're going to get being aware of this, the seven factors of stress, managing and mitigating them, fine-tuning and optimizing your sleep hygiene. Mm-hmm. And your nutrition, you're gonna get more mileage out of that than trying to solve all your problems or outrun your bad diet in the gym. Absolutely agree with that. So, um, and everything will will just optimize and and accelerate if you get all the other holistic pieces in um, concurrently at the same time. Things will just explode. Your workouts will get better, etc. But mainly, you know, it's very important that people repair. Most people are facing burnout today because of the elevated chronic elevated cortisol, which is the stress hormone, fight or flight. We used to pull that out when a saber-toothed tiger was running or an animal that was going to kill us, right? We, we would really need that energy. But now it's just like elevated all the time, all the time. chronically. Yeah. You know, Big that, that breaks, breaks the body down. So what's the antidote to that? Sleep. Qigong. Sleep. Qigong. Meditation. Sleep. Yeah. Meditation. Yeah. Anything in the realm of Dr. Breathing. Quiet. Breathing. Breathing. Uh, as well, I don't want to minimize the other practices, but the rest and relaxation thing is just—it's so underlooked. I think I'm writing a book about relaxation, just like called relaxicity. It's just about my story about always trying to do so much and then realizing I was doing it all wrong. It's just be just relaxing, right? And when that happens, everything comes to you. everything comes to you. And I was just like running my head against so I was getting success, but at what cost? Yeah. You know, and, and it was I had to redefine my own success also in the process, but. I was doing all these things I was told, I was working so hard, and then I was just not feeling good. And then when I just relaxed and got clear on what I wanted, and just, just set the intention to move towards that, it actually moved towards me, mm-hmm. you know? Calming my breath down, calming my mind down, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah, yeah, so, so yeah, right in the same page. So, sorry, we sidetracked a bit there. You're talking about your book, you're talking about some of the things that are in your book and, and the, the intention behind it. So four years ago, um, you talked about the book idea was spawned. 
Um, and now it's turning 50. Yeah. And you want to share all these tips about maintaining. Been on the internet for maybe 10 or so years, and people are like, hey, you got any scientific proof for that? Oh, bullshit. You're just a nut, and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, because I drink my urine, I drink ayahuasca. People are like, oh, that shit doesn't fucking work. It's stupid. You know, okay, all right, that's fine. So I challenged myself. Um, I'll ask you a question about that in a minute. Yeah, keep going. <laughs> I, I uh, did a 17-day juice fast preparing my vessel for uh, deeper spiritual work with ayahuasca in 2007, and I lost too much muscle, and it was right before my first child came. And if anybody knows about becoming a new parent, <laughs> it's exhausting. I got two. So, yeah. So uh, I didn't get to build that muscle back. And then 10 years later, I was like, all right, I'm going to be 50. Ripped at 50. I, you know, I was looking at, you know, how's the internet working? Oh, six-pack abs is such an, an alluring thing because everyone wants to get laid at the biochemical level, right? That's a biochemical nature's first law element, right? Everybody wants to get mm-hmm. laid. Six-pack abs represent, represents a fit body, um, you know, and, and, and having a family or sex, that represents love. It represents so many different things. So I'm trying to, like, dismantle human consciousness in my mind because I'm really trying to solve all our problems, mm-hmm. right? So I'm like, six-pack abs is dominating YouTube, Mike Chang, why is that? Okay, all right, I like that. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, ripped at 50. Ooh, it's got a nice ring. Studied enough marketing, right? Ripped at 50. I like that. Oh, and then nobody else is doing ripped at 50, right? And so, and I was a model. I can use my aesthetic. You know, I preserved it enough with well, you fasting. Well. Half the time I see you on your videos, you're topless, and I think it's, it really catches people's attention because you have a, a really great physique for someone. Your age, I had no idea how old you are because mm-hmm. I can see beyond the gray. I see very clear skin and clear eyes. Um, so you look young, and grays they come in any age. Some people turn gray at twenty. So I, I had no idea you were fifty-four. If you mm-hmm. told me you were forty-four, I would have totally not even questioned it. But anyway, so so you're you're doing the marketing, you're finding out all this stuff, and you decide. That and a lot of these things are just. I, I consider myself an artist, so I think there a lot of them are just like half-baked, like art ideas like oh yeah I'd like to do that and you fantasize in your mind you know like oh yeah that'd be cool but this one kept building and I kept using the hashtag and some of my posts and uh, and then I was like all right this year I'm gonna do on the road yoked hashtag and I'm just gonna challenge myself and then I'm gonna put my accountability on the internet so people can see it and and then I got consistent I was like cut the shit go to the gym every morning move your body get your serotonin and dopamine because after the kids came and then financial difficulties and fear and worries, you know, I don't yeah. know if you're still married, but all still this married. shit fucking comes in, man. You got to dance with it. And I was just like fucking, and that's where you can come become a couch potato and get a beer belly if you're not drinking, even if you're not drinking beer and all that shit. And I was just like, that's not going to be me. So I'm just going to cut the shit, get back into the gym, get active, stack muscle, see where it takes me. And of course, stacking muscle gives you uh, strength which gives you confidence, which builds character. And I was like, fuck yeah, at 50, I was like, whoa, yeah. And so the muscles started coming on. I started looking better. The social media starts blowing up. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm on to something. And then I started to go through my divorce. I also had black mold exposure, so I suffered Mm -hmm. from autoimmune. Um, And then I had to heal myself from that. And so I'm navigating all this fucking stuff. And then I worked with my alchemy teacher, one of my writing coaches and he was he helped me put the book in the theme of a journey to self-love so it's all the ups and downs of just you know because somebody that looks at my aesthetics and sees ripped at 50 and they're like fuck i'll never be like that guy and the book is designed to say this is what's possible 
and here's my fucking journey that's exactly like your fucking journey, right? Divorce, major injury, exhaustion, upsets in business, curveballs. I mean, there's a lot of really good shit that I'm book. looking forward to reading it yeah, yeah looking forward to reading it and it, and it yeah and it starts out with Tupac Shakur and Donatello Versace in Milan the thing's like a fucking moving train it's just <laughs> so I can't wait for everyone to read it awesome so, I'm excited so is there a website for the book or is it just a hashtag uh, ripped at 50 what, what's where can they find the book TroyCasey.com CertifiedHealthNut.com book's gonna be called hashtag ripped at 50 one of my old model buddies shot the cover for me and He's sponsored by Leica. He shot me on a $48,000 Leica. And let me tell you, that picture is a million-dollar photo. And so I'm just really excited to get this out to the world because, again, I came out of the Amazon going, hey, guys, we're cutting this fucker down. It's, it's the earth, man. Let's lay, man. Let's do something. And nobody fucking cared. Nobody cared so I'm like, all right, back to the drawing board. <laughs> so this is my big swan song. This is my environmental piece. This is everything. This is my attraction piece. And... I got 15 more books in me, so this is just, I'm just getting started. All right, all right. I'm a Capricorn, man. I'm just fucking climbing. I get get younger the older I get, man. I'm just climbing up that hill, baby. I love it. I love it. So I guess the last thing I want to talk to you about is something that um, that I've been exploring more in our community in Toronto is just creating these, these men's groups mm. and this mentorship program that you offer with Man Tribe, it's called, right? Yes. Yeah, so tell me about that. Tell me about the scene in California, because I know there's a few different groups that are putting things together. But what's your perspective on the need and why you felt called to sort of create that and just the whole story behind it? Yeah, well, with me, I think it was a little bit different because I didn't create it. But I had a lot of friends in my life that wanted me to come and teach all my holistic health and nutrition and, and, and wisdom and knowledge that I had. Um, at first, I did Breakthrough Camp with my friend uh, Jimmy Franzo. He was the big nightlife promoter in Miami. I did quite a few videos on him. He had a heart transplant at about 50. And... Uh, went through that, you know, it's like a death experience. And he had seven near-death experiences as well. And he really wanted to give back. And uh, that was his main, you know, focus. And I was working with him, and, um, you know, I'm a intense motherfucker, you know? I, I mean, <laughs> you know, I like to have an open, kind heart and be gentle and stuff like that. But in general, I'm pretty fucking hardcore, right? And, and like, just doing hardcore natural medicine to me, like all the crazy shit that I do just seems so fucking normal. So uh, with that group, they didn't want to go so deep. They kind of wanted just a buddy-buddy club. And me, I'm, I'm like, let's go for the juggler. Where's the fucking shadow? What's, what's, yeah. what's making us up as men? And let's, let's put that in the fire and deal with it. Especially when we have a locked-up container where it's only men, mm-hmm. right? And, and so if the men are creating drama, let's fucking deal with the drama. But they didn't really want to deal with the drama just wanted to surface it a little bit and so um, or at least that's my humble opinion I love Jimmy Franzo he's a good dude uh, so I did break true camp for uh, a couple of years and uh, and I've been doing retreats and workshops for many years and then my friend Alex uh, who I met at the Conscious Life Expo um, he started drinking ayahuasca in Manhattan as a real estate broker and he was very successful 27 years old BMW hot model chicks all the money in the world, cocaine, whatever, and he was miserable, mm-hmm. right? He was a little pudgy. I've heard that story before. A little pudgy, a little overweight, and uh, he started drinking ayahuasca and drank ayahuasca, I think, every weekend f- for a year straight. Really started to wake up, 
and uh, there were no support groups for him. There was n- mm. the ceremonies were one thing, but there was nowhere else to just where men to could be yeah and share what's going on. Right, things men come up in ayahuasca. That's right. Men can be men, and and uh, without you know sports or alcohol or you know any of that type of stuff. Because men will get together, but it's usually around sports and alcohol. Nightclubs, sports, yeah, bars. Right. Yeah. So when he moved to, to California, uh, he wanted to create what was missing for him there and really offer support uh, and brotherhood to, uh, uh, to men. And he asked me to teach my magic. And I said, as long as you handle the marketing, <laughs> which... Uh, I still do plenty of marketing because I'm, I'm good at it, but uh, he's doing all the back end and a lot of infrastructure. And he brings some powerful gifts. He married a Brazilian woman, spent a lot of time working with indigenous shaman, and so he brings a lot of magic to it. And then I bring all the mindset, movement, nutrition piece. I make sure that the dream, purpose, and legacy is the biggest part of our work. We offer a roadmap for men to to guide them. So like my mission and vision is very clear right now. So. Um, you know, where there's no vision, the people will perish, I think is biblical. Mm. And so um, we help men clarify that from their heart's desire. Because we're like living in a mind prison right now. And it's such a trap. And even the trap of living your dreams or creating your dreams or, or defining your purpose and legacy, your mind still wants to creep in there. How are you going to monetize that? Huh, fucker? You know? <laughs> One of the heads is talking. It's like, how are you going to get later? How are you going to make money? It's, right. it's not never well takes time to get into here for most people right most guys they're, they're led by two different correct <laughs> two but different ayahuasca is the great equalizer so like, everyone listening go down and drink some ayahuasca so so, so man trap is created so and, and how that, was that received here was it was he right was it something that guys were yearning for and well because I have so many projects and, and I had trouble with my marriage and and well, you know, one of my businesses recently, I was really just focused on monetizing certified health nut and then continuing to create uh, content. So I was like, as long as you handle the marketing, I will show up, you know, but I need to get paid for my time because I was giving myself away so much that it was a, it was a key ingredient in my divorce, right? Mm-hmm. All I want to do is fucking help people. Yeah. But we have this whole monetary system. You know, and if you don't obey it, I live in one of the most expensive cities in the world. You're gonna be fucking having problems, mm-hmm. and so, and not that we had really financial problems, but it was the perceived of not having enough, and then the wife, you know, basically being in fear, and that's a primal element because the women are there to protect the, the children and the, and, the, and the family, so it's understandable. But doing the math backwards, I'm like. There is no fucking problem. We live in a vacation destination. We have brand new cars. We eat organic food. Our kids are in private school. It's like, what the fuck is the problem? In fact, let me be grateful for fucking every sum total of everything I have in my life right now, including my one-bedroom apartment that I got on my divorce, and I had a film crew come over, and, and I was like, do I want to show my house? And I sleep on the floor now to keep me humble, you know? Mm-hmm. I just, I don't care. And you know what? My little apartment, I'm so fucking grateful for you know, and I live near the beach, and I don't have that much stuff, but I have so much fucking freedom. What a gift! And I got my bicycle. So, what's the definition of success? Oh, I don't have a Ferrari, and I don't have a fucking mansion, but I got the fucking ocean, and I swim in it every fucking day. What about you? Definition <laughs> of success is happiness, fulfillment, you know, purpose. Yep. And uh, my friend Nick here, which we'll get him on camera at the end, so you can see who we're talking to. He told me a story of one of his teachers uh, that was with a guru, and. Um, 
everything that the guru would say is like, what a gift. They would eat out of a garbage dumpster. They'd say, yeah, this is what a gift. It just came out of nowhere. So you get to eat. Yep. And everything can be a gift if you look at it that yep. way. Or everything can be a curse if you look at it yep. that way. You know, and that's, that's sort of shifting perspective. And I think that's what um, these men's group offer. Mm-hmm. They offer a different perspective on life. Getting clear on what's important. And... Um, yeah, I, I, I want to learn more about your process, about that. that, that um, we don't have to go into it now, but I mean, well, after it. To sim- I'd like to simplify, because yeah. I think there's a lot of men's groups out there. So what we like to do, yeah. uh, I, I like to say, you know, we're dogma-free or hashtag stay sucker-free. Uh, I, I don't want to get people all doped up on ideologies. I like to teach foundation principles, first principles. You know, you have to be in relationship, forgiveness and, and resentment. Those things are, you should understand those and understand how to work towards forgiveness because relationships, we're in relationship with everything. Hydration, drink pure water. Nutrition, drink, you know, eat organic food. Nutritious food is what the body requires, whole foods. You know, get good sleep patterns uh, and you move your body. Movement is a necessity, not, it's not a luxury. And so these foundation principles, so everything that we teach, with the fire circles, we do breath work, ice baths. Ice baths are a great equalizer, right? Mm-hmm. It just cuts the shit. You don't even have to talk about it or explain it. Just fucking get in that motherfucker. We're going to go do one right after this, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so breath work makes you feel amazing in less than 10 minutes. Ice bath, a little bit of qigong. Usually, either I teach it or we've got a kung fu master that just you know just teaches basic, basic movement in the body. And... Uh, and then we share around the circle. And that is the most important Magic. work that we do, is only the support. If we just lit the fire and we let men share, my work would be done. I don't have to teach any fancy stuff or any of that stuff. And that's what we're finding out. It's the platform for people to let stuff off their chest so they're not carrying that burden that worked for them in their 20s or their 30s or hiding it because that, you know... It, they raped somebody or they were raped or wronged or whatever. Mm-hmm. Everyone's experienced the trauma. And just having that fire alone is enough. And this is how we're reuniting the brotherhood of man, which is part of the ancient prophecies. Mm-hmm. Uh, feel that man, right here. Um, yeah. Thank you for sharing all this stuff. So people can find you at TroyCasey.com, CertifiedHealthNut.com, Instagram at CertifiedHealthNut.com. Certified Health Nut. Certified Health Nut is branded across the internet, and Troy Casey is, it's all easy to find. I've got thousands of videos on YouTube, Facebook. Check this guy out, please. And if, do do you do like, is is your circle open, the Mad Tribe thing? Do you have like open days where you have to like join, join the group? Uh, as of right now, it's completely open, but we are working on franchising just to serve more people. The demand, is there. the demand is there. And we have to get the structure so it's sustainable for my partner who just had a child. He's in the mm-hmm. boat I was okay. just in. So I really want him to monetize and get this thing up as a sustainable model. Uh, he opens up his house. We were doing it for free for the longest time until we put a donation bucket up there. And so, but I think consistently it's probably going to be like a $20 donation. We do workshops and retreats, where, which is a little bit more in-depth, and then um, there's more of an investment. Yeah, absolutely. And it's worth it. Because you know what we Look, found? People who pay, pay attention. And they make an investment in themselves. It's not like they're paying you. It's like invest in yourself, and the results come. And there's certain people that are willing to pay, and you can't just give your energy away because then you're going to burn out. And then what good are you to the whole community if you're not getting compensated? And and for me too, I, I know exactly how you feel because I want to help everyone as well. And just in the last couple of years, I'm just changing my whole philosophy on 
um, how I can show up as a coach. And the best way I can show up as a coach is charging what I, what I feel I'm worth, my own self-worth. And that's more than a $20 donation to spend half my day away from my kids. Mm-hmm. But if I can attract those bigger people who can afford it, mm-hmm. then I can put some of my energy towards people that can't afford it. And I can balance it out that way and create bigger events for a bigger tribe that can come in and at their own leisure, they can choose. And serve do you want to invest, people. Do you want to invest in yourself? And it's funny because the first answer is they don't want to pay for it. Mm-hmm. But they can find the money to pay for it. And then they're going to really change. And they'll probably make that money back times 10 once they change their lives. Or it might not financially be times 10, but they'll be 10 times happier. What's that worth? Mm-hmm. What's that worth? That's right. It's, it's not, you can't put a money on it. If you've been miserable your whole life doing something, and now you come to one of your groups, you have an awakening, you get clear on your purpose, you start doing some breathing, some movement, and sharing, and next thing you know, you're living life your dreams. You start attracting partners that actually love you for who you are. That's right. You know? So, you know, people just got to start opening their minds. And I think as coaches or as leaders, we also got to start opening our minds to just setting that intention. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the world is ready for it. That's right. The world is ready for it. I see in Toronto, I come down here, I see the same thing down on the total opposite side of, of the continent. And I think all over the world is happening. So. Yep. The Great Awakening cannot be stopped. The vision that I saw was clear as day, and I was actually reminded uh, this year. Um, I did some, some toad medicine, and I saw the vision again clearly. Campbell or five? Five. Five. Okay. Uh, we're talking the same language here. And you just came back from Rhythmia as well, right? Just came back from Rhythmia, so that was my fifth ayahuasca retreat. Four of them were done in the Amazon rainforest, and this one was done in Costa Rica. I really thought the uh, professionalism and the conduits that they provided for drinking that medicine was, I mean, it was definitely the best ayahuasca experience that I've ever had. And not to diminish anything in the work that I did in the Amazon, it's just, it can be very arduous. And it was nice having creature comforts, cold baths, hot baths, coconut water on tap, uh, good teaching and integration, because I know how important that is for the Western mind. Mm -hmm. The shamans will just let you deal with it on your own and go back to your your treehouse and bunk and just deal with yourself. One thing I love, and and what I realized, I've been there, and it's going to be my fifth time there. Really? Is that you go, well, I'm I'm a guest speaker there, so I speak uh, a few times a year, and I'm really good friends with Jerry. And you see a hundred people come there, or uh-huh. fifty people, however many people. Yeah. And in the first day, they're, they're tired, like you're talking about your face and like the anger and whatever they got inside of them. Yeah. By Thursday morning, you got a, a family of people who are so connected, they care about each other, they're sharing. It's like the most amazing experience. Everyone just looks different. The sun comes up, it's just like the birds are chirping. I don't know. I I, I can't. Yeah. It's just such I get an experience. That. You you were just there, so you well. Know. And I, I got married on the last day of oh, Ayahuasca. Congratulations! I mean, it was it was it was magical, man. The, the amount of magic that's in my life right now—it's just a microcosm of what's on the world. Yeah, what a gift! So I'm just gonna thank you, Troy, for for spending the time. I know you're really busy, a busy day today. Um, please, guys, check him out. Uh, check out his book. It'll be worth every penny. I guarantee that. Um, and if you I like, guarantee it. And if you like this uh, the show, um, please like, subscribe, follow, comment, leave a review, whatever you feel like doing. Send me an email, say what's up. I really appreciate that. And give him a follow too. There's a lot of amazing information. He puts a lot of content out that is very, very valuable stuff. Um, so thanks for tuning in. Any last words from you, Troy? <sighs> Love yourself, man. Mm, beautiful. Simple. And let's just get Nick around here to say hi before we go. We're gonna do we're gonna do a podcast with Nick about his journey in meditation uh, this week at Rhythmia. 
And we're going to talk about ayahuasca as well. Mm -hmm. So thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll see you soon. Love you guys. Peace.